Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today's cool fact of the day is, your brain sometimes gets bored and it scares you with optical illusions. A study recently asked participants to stare into a mirror for 10 minutes, and it showed that people started to see their face deformed. They saw their parents' faces, animal faces, or even monsters. Sounds like a very unenjoyable 10 minutes, except that some forms of meditation actually use this to your advantage. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Today, we've got Jimmy Moore, who's very well known for his podcast, which is called Live in La Vida, Low Carb. And he's also the author of a recent book called Cholesterol Clarity. And I'm a big fan of his book because he's written some very fundamental things about cholesterol in a sort of in-your-face way that explains that you don't need to worry about cholesterol per se, but you want to look more at inflammation. I've known Jimmy for a while. I've spoken with Jimmy on his podcast, and I even went to his low-carb cruise where I gave a talk on the Bulletproof Diet. And Jimmy puts me to shame. He lost 180 pounds and lost 20 inches off of his waist. I only lost 100 pounds and have kept it off for 10 years. 
he weighed over 400 pounds when he was 32. I only weighed 300 pounds. So like he totally could have sumo wrestled me into the ground, even at my fattest. So Jimmy, welcome to the show, man. Hey Dave, what's going on, buddy? There's a lot going on these days, I tell you. But one of the things going on is the success of Cholesterol Clarity. It seems like you're kind of climbing the book charts there. Oh, it's been doing very well. And, you know, that was kind of the hope and dream when we put the book out was, you know, finally we're going to have a resource that's going to put to rest this whole nonsense of saturated fats clogging arteries and giving people heart attacks and LDL is all that matters, total cholesterol, all that matters. So, I mean, there's all these kind of mantras that people just believe. Mm-hmm. And they believe it because they believe it. They don't believe it because there's actually science that they've researched that verifiably says all this stuff. They just believe it because, oh, we all know saturated fat clogs your arteries. We all know total cholesterol over 200 is bad. I mean, uh, is, isn't it true that in the dictionary, it, it's actually now a single word, artery clogging saturated <laughs> artery fat? Clogging saturated fat yeah, yeah, they just come together. I remember Mike Eads used to say that he'd always, when he'd write a blog post and he'd say, yeah, and that what do we call it? Saturated fat, you know, just put it all together <laughs> as one word. ACSF, <laughs> we should just make an acronym. There you go. <laughs> More like BS. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So you're not a classical scientist. You know, you're not, you're not a Harvard trained, you know, epidemiologist or something like that, but you've done this 180 pound weight loss thing. And that gives that just makes it more personal. But what I think is really cool, Jimmy, uh, is that you went out there and you talked to what, like twenty something of the 29. top twenty nine, okay, experts of the uh, of the cholesterol variety, like people who've studied this for their whole lives, right. and you asked them a lot of really hard, very well researched questions, and that's what forms the backbone of cholesterol clarity. So it's not like, hey, I'm Jimmy, and I'm telling you something because I lost a lot of weight. Like I'm mad that I lost one hundred and eighty pounds that I was told a lie. So I found the world's top experts, and this is a credible scientific work, not sort of the rant that you hear from some of the low-carb or yeah. you know, other paleo people. You know, I'm mad at the world, blah. And so, so you don't have a lot of dogma in this book. You have a lot of science, and you're not making the mistake that the low-fat uh, kind of you know low-calorie crowd has made for years. You just believe it because it's true. You asked the experts and wrote what they said. Right. And, and the cool thing about what I do and having interviewed literally over 700 of the world's top experts on everything when it comes to health, nutrition and fitness, yeah. uh, you know, through the Live in La Vida Low Carb show, I've been able to be in contact and actually befriend so many great experts. And so when it came time to want to write a book about this whole cholesterol issue, I knew exactly who to contact. And, and yeah, they, they lend such credibility. And even early on in the book, I say, don't listen to me because I'm any kind of expert. I, I'm just a dude that lost weight. But what I feel like my contribution to this community is through this book and through my podcast and everything is I'm able to assimilate all these people and then translate because sometimes it can get kind of technical and y- you even get kind of technical <laughs> for me. So I, I think the you know, I don't want this to be derogatory, but kind of the lowest common denominator when it comes to helping people understand. I want to get on that very basic level because we've got all these great technical books out there about cholesterol and and other health issues, but not many people are taking it to the people and saying, look, this is the basics and building upon that knowledge and then hopefully whetting their appetite to want to learn more, but they got to learn the basics first or they'll never get to that more advanced level. It is tough for someone who comes in, if this is the first podcast they've ever heard, 
I, I've been beaten soundly uh, by my <laughs> my uh, advisors and my fans saying, you know, Dave, you know, bring bring it to where someone who comes in for the first time, you, you don't have to understand the ins and outs of biohacking. And, right. and I'm always working on that. But I, I do receive that criticism where sometimes I just assume people know that when I say LDL, I mean, it's a cholesterol number. So yeah. when you catch me doing that on this show, Jimmy, which I'm sure I'm <laughs> going to do. Yeah, you got to you got to buzz me. So I'll buzz you. That's perfect. But you're not number one for no good reason. And congratulations, by the way, you have the number one fitness and nutrition podcast on iTunes. You beat out Jillian Michaels. She's held that top spot forever and ever. Amen. We've all been trying in the paleo community to beat her up, but you finally got her and you've been there for now the past month. So, Are you so kidding? Really? I'm not kidding, man. That's cool. <laughs> it, this may sound weird, but like I don't. I don't track that. I, I just try and help a lot of people. And I, I get like a feed <laughs> on good. how many people, like a quarter million people a week are downloading an episode and listening to it. So I know I'm helping people, but I've never like compared that. So I, I'm flabbergasted, but thank, <laughs> thanks for telling me. I, I got to figure out how to look at that stuff later. You are the top wow. guru, man. So keep it up. Thank um, you. I, when I grow up, I want to be Dave Asprey. <laughs> Self-experimenting, um, podcasting, everything. You know, I, I can see, I can send you the Dave Asprey upgrade kit. It, it's you know, it's a little bit painful in times, but well, thanks, Jimmy, man. I, I didn't, I honestly didn't know that. So that's there you uh, go. That's awesome. Uh, sorry, Julian. <laughs> ah, no, sorry. <laughs> All right, let's talk cholesterol. And uh, I guess it's worth saying too. Um, you worked with a physician, a family practitioner, in authoring the book as well to sort of enhance your science side of things. But I don't think I've met Eric, Dr. Eric Westman. Yeah. Uh, was he on the cruise, the low-carb cruise? He has been on the cruise. He wasn't on the one you were on, okay. but and he's coming on the next one that you won't be on. Uh, so I, I missed <laughs> him. It's kind of two ships passing in the night. But um, yeah, he is a highly respected internist uh, who is helping, does a lot of obesity medicine in Durham, North Carolina. He's also done a lot of research uh, papers. I know you cited many of them. Um, on low carb diets. And mm -hmm. so he, he's the real deal. Um, and I was very pleased to have him come on as a co-author. It, it was funny because I did most of the, the work of writing the book and he kind of went behind me. All right, th this is good. This is not so good. And so he kind of was checking and, and making sure it did line up with the science that it wasn't just Jimmy Moore's opinion. Um, and, and to my delight, he didn't change a whole lot. So um, that kind of made me feel like, okay, I'm on the right track here, got the right vibe, trying to meet the consumer, but also keeping the science and that balance between making it consumer friendly and maintaining the science, uh, the scientific integrity is a tricky one. Um, but I, I hope we struck that balance well. That's awesome. I think you did. Uh, when I read the book, I'm like, this is solid and I can give it to you know, some of my uh, some of my clients um, aren't 100 percent bulletproof, and they're just they worry about cholesterol all day long. Yeah. So when I read it, I'm like, all right, um, this is maybe a little bit more approachable than uh, Gary Tobbs. You know, good calories, bad calories is the yeah. Bible, but my God, it's like reading the Bible. It is a whole <laughs> lot of text, and there's no wasted words in there. Like most right. books, I can just rip through them. But that one, like every single word, yeah. was essential. So. I found that your book was so approachable. I, I appreciate it. And uh, one of the things you talked about was, you know, flat out LDLC and total cholesterol just aren't very important. Can you define LDLC and total cholesterol for people who are you know, just coming into this? Like, what are those things? 
Yeah. So the, the reason they're not important, and, and it's two things. So let, let's take a look at the LDLC first. All right. So LDLC, most people don't even know about this, Dave. They get that report back on uh, their cholesterol test and they see LDLC, whatever. Did you know that's not an exact measured number? Most people think, oh, they measure exactly how many LDL I have in my body. No, they don't. They guesstimate using this Friedwald equation, and it's an estimation, a calculation of what your LDL number is. But the problem with that is they're predicating a lot of treatment based on that number. So if the LDL is over 100, they're saying you suddenly have a statin deficiency. No. <laughs> but there's a new US RDA for statins coming out. You know that, right? What's that? There's a new US RDA for statins coming out. So like right next to your vitamin D and vitamin C, will say statins. You have to have 100 milligrams. You're not a good person. It's just Are you going to create a, a bulletproof statin? I'm just kidding. Oh, no, I didn't go. I didn't go there, did I? So, uh, th so that's a major problem with LDL. And so then you take that to the total cholesterol. That already alters the total cholesterol because that's made up of LDL, HDL, and VLDL. So HDL, one of the problems with total cholesterol is HDL is something you want higher. Yep. So if it's lower just to make your total cholesterol lower, that's insane. All right, let's and talk course, about why high yeah. HDL is good for you because a lot of people sort of hear HDL is good cholesterol, but it, it's really fuzzy because there's, you know, they're all, they all yeah. end in DL and there's VLDL right. and some rhyme, some don't. Like it, it's kind of complex science. So f first of all, HDL is the best kind of cholesterol. What do you want your HDL to be high for? Like why does it matter? Yeah, it, it helps with the clearance of the LDL. Okay. And so, and, and having higher, if you, it depends on who you ask. Cause if you, I, I interviewed Dr. Dean Ornish one time, the famous low fat <laughs> vegan guy. He doesn't like me. <laughs> Yeah, he, he doesn't like very many of us in this community. But I remember when I asked him about HDL being a good cholesterol, he's like, oh, no, HDL is like garbage trucks because it removes the garbage from your body. And, you know, the garbage in his mind is the LDL. And so if you have more HDL, you need more HDL to get rid of the garbage, the LDL, from your body. Now, that's a simplistic wow. uh, kind of explanation. It's totally wrong as far as and I understand. so wrong but it's kind of an imagery that he's put out there in people's minds. But yeah, um, HDL, you know, far too many people are walking around with too low of HDL. So, and, and conversely, they're also having too high of triglycerides. And it's those two numbers that are much more important than LDLC and total cholesterol. So which so, two numbers are the most important, HDL and triglycerides? That's right. Amen, brother. So, I agree with you. So it's the triglyceride to HDL ratio that we should be looking at. And if statin drugs didn't make $29 billion a year annually, tomorrow we would not be talking about total cholesterol and LDL anymore. We would be talking about triglyceride to HDL ratio. We'd be talking about CT heart scans, carotid artery scans. We'd be talking about CRP levels for inflammation. Yes. All of these things that we write about in my book would be the way we look at things. But as long as money can be made, and unfortunately, that is what rules the world, you know, people are going to continue to bring this party line of it's all about the total and all about the LDL. It's, uh, it's I, I love hearing you say that because I'm looking at the list here of guys who are supporting your message, the people you've interviewed. And you've yeah. got you know, William Davis of Wheat Belly, who's been on Bulletproof 
radio. Um, he's such a such a gentleman, and just he pulls no punches. And this is the guy who basically invented the way to quantitatively track plaque in your body. Yeah, uh, he's the author of Track Your Plaque and a serious cardiologist who's coming up here in your book and saying, uh, "I spent half my career tracking plaque levels," and he's coming out with a message that supports what you're saying. Yeah, he's been such a an advocate for this book, and I've been very grateful to Bill. He's a good personal friend of mine. Um, you know, anytime I've had questions personally about my own health or anything, he's always been right there, spot on to answer. Uh, very giving of his time, and and yeah, he's kind of. Uh, taking this whole approach of backing away from kind of the day-to-day, his idea is let's educate more people. Yeah. Let's get the message out there. And of course, we <laughs> kind of what he's famous for now with the whole wheat belly thing. But, you know, he, he really is big into this whole heart health issue. I, I think if he hadn't uh, hit, struck it, you know, struck gold with wheat belly, he probably would have written a book like this one, um, which is why I'm glad he was able to contribute and be such a supporter. And you've got some other guys. Chris Master John is another guy I respect enormously. Oh, brilliant! So, and uh, you know, Gary Tobbs and Robert Lustig has been involved with the anti-aging group I work with. So, like, these are these are all guys who are far bigger experts on cholesterol um, than I am or than you are. Right. Um, and they all agree with what you're saying here about how LDL, low LDL, is a problem. Okay. By now, I'm sure some people are scratching their heads going, okay, so you're saying cholesterol is good for me, but cholesterol isn't good for you, right? Like some kinds of cholesterol are not as good for you as others. There's oxidized cholesterol. So what are the bad kinds of cholesterol that people ought to be paying attention to? So here's some of the information that you don't usually hear in your doctor's office. There is good LDL and there's bad LDL. Yes. And so you can't get this on a standard lipid panel. Now you can extrapolate based on that HDL and triglycerides that we were talking about earlier. If you have higher HDL, generally above 70, if you have lower triglycerides, generally under 70, you can almost guarantee you have a preponderance of the good kind of LDL. But the only way you can really uh, test to make sure is you got to test it. So there's a really great test that we put in the book. Uh, there's several tests out there now, and there's new ones emerging every day. But the one that's kind of a workhorse for a lot of the people that are in this alternative uh, looking at, at cholesterol is the NMR lipoprofile test. It's run out of Raleigh, North Carolina. And basically, they look at, they actually count the exact number of LDL particles that are in your blood. And that doesn't show up on your LDLC number. So you get an LDLP number, which is the total number of particles. That's one. And then it gives you a subset of that, the small LDLP. And that number is the one you want as low as possible. That's the one that's most atherogenic. That's the one that's going to lead to heart disease, lead to inflammation that, that causes all the problems that people have with heart health. And that's the one that would be called SDLDL? Yes. Okay, yes. so if you see that on your numbers, which you probably don't if you're getting them from a normal cardiologist, like a normal uh, you know, family kind of practice blood test, you're not even going to see that number. But if you do see that number, low SDLDL is the one that's most important. And it generally means that you are, number one, <laughs> consuming too many carbohydrates in your diet in general. Mostly the refined kind really spike up your small dense LDL. And then the other thing is vegetable oils. Uh, one yep. of my experts in the book is a guy from Australia, David Gillespie. He wrote a book called Toxic Oil. You should really get him on your podcast. But okay. he talks about how 
uh, vegetable oils are given the heart healthy symbol. You see them on canola oil and all these these oils. They have the you know this is good for your heart. It's kind of like the seal of approval from the AHA. You know you want to know why? They do one thing really well. They lower LDL C. But lowering LDL C is not necessarily a good thing. What is it doing to the particles? What it's doing is it's taking away the large fluffy kind, which is the inverse of that small, dense kind, and leaving behind a very highly oxidized, small, dense LDL particle. So in your pursuit of becoming heart healthier, your LDLC can go down, but your risk for heart disease goes way up. That's, in fact, you should say that one more time for people listening to this, just that last sentence. Yeah, so when you consume vegetable oils, it does lower LDLC. So what it does is it lowers the large fluffy kind of LDL particles, leaving behind a very highly oxidized, small, dense LDL particle. And that's what's left. So you're not improving your heart health just because your LDLC went down. Uh You're actually making it much, much worse because all you're leaving are those most atherogenic form of LDL, and that's that small, dense LDL particle That's what you don't want. And yet when you consume vegetable oils, they're highly inflammatory. They're going to oxidize that LDL, leave behind the small LDL, bad news all around. This is one of the reasons in the Bulletproof Diet, I say don't eat vegetable oil, period. It's unnecessary. And if a gram of fish oil can do good things for you, a gram of fried canola oil or soybean oil or God knows what can do just as many bad things for you. Don't eat that stuff. Right. But most people, in my experience, even you know people who are paying attention and are reasonably aware of their health, they don't understand how to read a cholesterol uh, uh, panel when they get all these different numbers. And the kind of shorthand, the way I remember it is, okay, you want your HDL to be as high as possible. And in your book, do you talk, I don't remember off the top of my head, do you talk about the difference in the sizes of HDL? Is that something you get into? We didn't get too technical in the differences in the sizes of the HDL. It definitely can come into play. I think that's a more advanced okay. part of this whole learning process. What we tried to just establish was get HDL higher than it is now because yeah. most people it's 20, 30. It needs to be you know, 60, 70. I'm 87. I'm 79. Ha, I beat Jimmy Moore. You're, got me. <laughs> you, you drink more MCT oil. <sighs> I'm working on it. And where are your triglycerides, Jimmy? Uh, 37. Ah, mine are 47. I, you I got me. you there? Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> Our ratio is about the same then. <laughs> All right, what's your omega-6 to omega-3 ratio in your blood? You know, I haven't I haven't checked that one recently. Um, I do take two tablespoons of uh, liquid fish oil every day, um, but I haven't checked that recently, so I don't know. Got it. I, uh, I know my wife, Christine, she, she registered really well. Uh, I mean, the, the doctor was like, what are you doing? Your omega-3 be so good. And I went... Yes, it's called fish oil. You can get results that are are amazing. Well, then what's your total cholesterol? Total cholesterol today is 306. Oh my God, you're gonna die. Do do I have a medical degree now? (laughs) What's funny is, you know, I was um, in the midst of losing weight uh, last year with nutritional ketosis. And I I hope we talk about ketones here in a minute. But um, December, just for fun, right in the middle of this weight loss, I ended up losing almost 80 pounds 
uh, in a year. And right in the middle of the weight loss, I'd lost about 45, 50 pounds. I went just for fun to the Sam's Club. They were giving away a, a free total cholesterol test. And I said, I know my cholesterol is going to be all whacked because when you lose weight, people yeah. don't know this, but when you lose weight, your cholesterol will go all wackadoodle on you. So I knew it was going to be wacky, so I went and got it checked. And you should have seen the look on the face of the phlebotomist. She went, you want to know how much it was? Where were you, like 400 or something? 419. My God. And she was looking at me all nervous. Uh, 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 you, you okay, sir? And I was like, I'm fine. It, it would have been right. awesome if you just opened a, a stick of Kerry Gold and took a bite of the butter right in front I of her. I so wanted to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Man, my HDL's good. Yeah, just <laughs> just just chew it up right there. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of people hearing this are, are, are they're going to be thinking you're a nut. I, I mean, yeah. both of us are nuts, right? Because you know yeah. it's been so pounded in. I've had other guys, uh, uh, Tate Fletcher, Hollywood stuntman. This guy could like crush me, like like he's a solid wall of muscle, uh, and he has a very manly mustache too. That's like the handlebar with the wax because he's like a, a stuntman doing something. So anyway, I, I was hanging out with Tate on the Joe Rogan show, and Tate's like, "Yeah, my cholesterol's three hundred six. You know, what do you think about it?" I'm like, "Dude, I, I'm not that worried about it. Like, like yeah. you know, given what we just talked about, you and I just talked about here, like as long as you're physically healthy, you have lots of energy." and you're looking at your HDL count, you're looking at your triglycerides, cholesterol has useful things in the body. For instance, it's a building block for testosterone and things like that. But right. the phlebotomists and people in Costco don't know that. Right. What are the other things that cholesterol does that are good besides making testosterone? Can you like oh, give man. me a list? Oh, there are so many. I mean, literally every cell in your body needs cholesterol. You know, if you had Jay Leno go out on the street and hey, what's the, you know, a man on the street mm -hmm. kind of interview? Hey, what's the perfect level of cholesterol? You know, he would get a lot of people that, that would say zero. Oh, zero. Yeah, they would. They would say zero because we've been told and conditioned the lower, the better. We even see commercials on our television, which I think it's horrible. The prescription drug companies are allowed to, you know, direct to consumer market in all the other countries of the world, illegal. But here, they can totally do it. And so they say, go lower, take Lipitor, ask your doctor about it. And so people think lower is better, but they need to talk to Tim Russert about that. Who's Tim Russert? Tell uh, So listeners. back in 2008, uh, there was a newsman, Tim Russert. He was the guy that was the host of NBC's Meet the Press. You might have heard of that show. Oh, yeah. And in, in our chapter on what do you mean my cholesterol is too low, you know, we tell this story about Tim Russert. And so one month before he died of the very first heart attack he ever had, he went to see his doctor and the doctor said, you are the picture of heart health. You want to know why he thought he was the picture of heart health? His total cholesterol, hang on to your hats here, 105. So 105 total cholesterol. And of course, any doctor would look at that and say, wow. This is great because remember, cholesterol is the reason for heart disease in their minds. So the lower, the better. But he died of the very first heart attack. Why? Two things. His heart scan score, that thing that you were talking about, Bill Davis came up with, with the track your plaque, over 500. Now, under 100 is what you're looking for. Uh, Mine zero, by the way. I had one of those earlier this year. And then the other thing was his... Uh, HSCRP, high sensitivity C-reactive protein, that's the key inflammatory marker in the body. 
His was somewhere around six or seven. It was really high. And so ideally you want that one under 2.0 and, and optimally under 1.0. Mine's 0.55 right now. So those things kind of combined to be a one-two punch to get him. And he didn't have cholesterol there to save him. And I like to give the analogy, Dave, that cholesterol is like the firefighter inside the body. You know, people say, well, I want lower cholesterol, but think about it this way. If your house is on fire, the, the firefighters come out to put out the fire, right? Would we blame the firefighter for the fire starting? No, that would be ludicrous. And yet we're doing the exact same thing with cholesterol. We're blaming it because it happens to be at the scene of the fire, the fire being inflammation inside your body. So you need that cholesterol there. The cholesterol is there for a reason. If you have a 306 total cholesterol, maybe there's some systemic inflammation going on somewhere in the body that that cholesterol is responding to. So it acts as a healing agent in the body. Um, you, you asked about other purposes. Cholesterol is a healing agent in the body? Yeah. I mean, how can this be? <laughs> yeah. it, it is, absolutely, it, in, in my research. Yeah. But for most people listening to this, uh, even if they're you know diehard bulletproof listeners, they, they might not have heard that. But your body uses it when you're injured yourself. Does your cholesterol yeah. level go up? Oh yeah, yeah. Mine went up. I I got fifteen percent of my body covered in ice burns. <laughs> from, wow. Uh, I fell asleep doing cold thermogenesis. Yeah, I was and gonna say cold thermogenesis. <laughs> it was like someone beat literally like someone beat the crap out of me with baseball bats. I mean, it was deep muscle pain. Yeah. It, it was and it lasted for like six weeks before I healed, and I I was just wow. swollen and tired. My my homocysteine shot up, and my yeah. cholesterol went up noticeably. I did my wellness yeah. FX panels right after that, and that was why. It's my body saying, God, I got to make some new cells here. Funny, you need cholesterol for a cell to divide and replicate and repair right. its, itself. So it's normal. It's totally normal, and and bile production. I mean, we could go on and on with all the reasons why cholesterol should be higher. And here's something you mentioned, Dr. Chris Masterjohn earlier. One of the things that he mentioned in the book that we quoted him on was in traditional cultures, cholesterol levels in people groups that were free from heart disease, normal levels, especially for women, normal levels was 250. And as they got older in their 60s, 70s, 80s, it was pushing 300 as the normal level of cholesterol, the average level. Now, you're a, a 60, 70, 80-year-old, and you go to your doctor now, and you have a 289, they're going to be pushing a statin drug on you. Yeah. And, and what's really sad about the whole statin issue, if we can get into that just a bit, is these people, as they age, as you get older, your cholesterol is going to go up, and especially you women. And so you go see your doctor, you start taking Lipitor or Crestor or whatever core, and you start having all these symptoms, the side effects that come from these drugs. And it's like joint pain and muscle aches and memory loss and all these things that mimic old age. So people think, oh, I'm just getting older. They never stop to think about that drug I'm taking to lower my cholesterol to prevent heart disease from happening is the very thing that's making me age right before my eyes. It turns off mitochondrial function. And yeah. you know your mitochondria are the basic power plants in your cells. They're the engine in the cell. Most of the bulletproof techniques, maybe not most, many of the bulletproof techniques are around optimizing the function of that of that engine so that it runs right. cleaner, it runs faster, it makes more energy. And the idea that you're going to take something that 
removes your ability to make a hormone substrate, the cholesterol, something that your liver makes naturally, uh, and that you're going to clog up the machinery in your cells while you do that so that it runs less effectively as you're getting older and it's natural for your mitochondria to not run as well. It, it doesn't make sense. And I've seen countless people in their 50s who are getting you know joint pain and just tiredness, lethargy, because they don't have the coenzyme cutin that was blocked by the statin drugs they take. So I'm I'm not a fan of statin drugs. I know a few people <laughs> where maybe they're a good idea. They have you know a genetic thing. Yeah, there's some inflammatory yeah. things that that you can get benefits from. There's some antioxidant things from extremely low doses of of statins. But I mean, a twenty nine billion dollar industry, I I just don't get it. Well, they should be a last resort, yeah. not the first line of defense. And unfortunately, yeah. the way we're doing medicine right now, cholesterol treatment is totally predicated on total cholesterol over 200. You've got a statin drug deficiency. And yeah. we've got to stop that. We need to, of course, it, you, know, you can't blame doctors because they were trained in pharmacology. They weren't trained yeah. in nutrition. Most of the people that I've interviewed on my podcast that have been medical doctors, that's one of the questions I ask. And I think the longest one I've ever heard was he got two weeks worth of, of education in nutrition. Uh, the shortest was like two hour seminar. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's it. And yet how many doctors are giving out diet advice, like lower your fat. I, I know Christine, my wife, you know, she went to see her doctor earlier this year and her total cholesterol was 225. And he, I was in there with her, mm -hmm. and he said, "You need to um, um, lower your saturated um, fat." Why? That's actually a, a good way to to do like you know birth control because you're infertile <laughs> when your cholesterol drops much beyond that, and you get, right. start getting like female monthly irregularities because your cholesterol is too low and you don't make your hormones right. Right. Uh, um, I mean, it, especially for women at, at a reproductive age, that's horrible advice. And at any age, yeah. I don't think it's good advice. Uh, especially if the doctor, I'm guessing, didn't even know the SDLDL count, didn't know inflammation. He didn't test any of that. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of sad. At the same time, I mean, I've got a list of, of bulletproof physicians on the website. These are guys who use supplements and foods and lifestyle advice as a first line recommendation, and they use drugs when necessary. Yeah. And the, the the number of doctors who are doing integrative, integrative and orthomolecular and functional medicine it's going up, and I try and list the ones who are, you know, not not that the ones you know who, who carry bulletproof coffee and supplements in their offices. That's not that's not what it's about. These are the ones who basically provide holistic advice that includes the idea that fat is probably a functional food in yeah. as a general category, and that some fats are quite good for you, and necessary, and some fats are really bad for you. Any doctor, including Dr. Ornish, who says fat is bad, is so oversimplifying the situation that it makes no sense. But if you say fat is good, same thing. You can't say fat's good because canola oil is a fat and it's not a food. And that whole dividing line that says, well, some fats are good, some are bad. Some proteins are good and some are bad. Soy protein versus whey protein, huge right. differences. Even with carbs, high fructose corn syrup versus white rice. They're different things with different biological effects. And that's why the Bulletproof Diet works the way it does. And uh, uh, I'm... I'm particularly interested in nutritional ketosis, which is why we're kind of going in the diet direction. This is something you spent a lot of time researching. You do it yourself. And nutritional ketosis is when you're eating foods in such a way that your body naturally makes ketones as the way to, to fuel itself, rather than artificially increasing them with coconut oil or the ways that I typically do in Bulletproof Coffee. Right. So 
What's your take on nutritional ketosis? Why do you practice it? What does it do for you? What's it do to your triglycerides, your HDL, and your other cholesterol markers? So about a year ago, I was not in a good place. I was about a year and a half ago now, actually. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, I, I was not in a good place because I had put on uh, some weight and was not feeling well, was having trouble sleeping and really just struggling. And I was trying different kind of modalities to, to get back on track again. And I read The Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Performance by uh, Jeff Folick and Steve Finney, two great low-carb researchers. And in that book, which was designed for like athletes and athletic performance, right in the middle of the book, they talked about measuring for ketones in the blood. Now, I had never heard of that before. You probably had, Mr. Biohacker, but I had never heard of that before. Uh, ketosis was peeing on a stick and ooh, it turned purple. Okay, yeah. isn't that great? But I finally learned there's a better way to quantify it looking for beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is the active ketone in the blood, um, was it acetoacetate is in the, the urine and then uh, breath is acetone. So, so I started measuring blood ketone. In fact, Christine, go grab my blood ketone monitor and blood sugar monitor. Oh, cool. We'll do right here on Dave Asprey's podcast, a live demonstration of what it looks like. But I started testing my blood on a daily basis and what you were looking for was somewhere between 0.5 millimolar and 3.0 millimolar on the blood ketone meter to show that you were in what's called nutritional ketosis. And what that's doing is switching over from being a sugar burner to being a fat burner. And so I started doing this and my very first reading, you know, I've been low carb forever, <laughs> like almost a decade now. So I was like, okay, well, I should be in ketosis. I mean, I've been yeah. eating this way for a long time. So my very first reading, 0.3. And I was like, well, that might explain why I'm not doing so well right now. And what I found, Dave, was carbs have always been low for me. They've had to be low. You don't get to weigh 410 pounds without having some kind of messed up something going on with your metabolism. Yeah. So I know for me, I, you know, I done shot my carbohydrate wad a long time ago. <laughs> so, so to I put it bluntly. That, yeah, to put it bluntly. But I have to keep the carbs really low. And then the other elements that, that came into play was fat, which was really high, I thought, yeah. at around 60, 65% of my diet, had to be even higher. Right. And for me, 80, 85% fat had to kind of dominate. And so when you up the fat, you have to bring something else down. The only thing protein. left is protein. Yes. And protein, I was consuming, thinking I was eating a healthy, low carb, like chicken breasts and things like that, way too lean. I don't know how many people that get salad greens and they throw, you know, some grilled chicken breast on top of that and they think that's good. No. It's not. There's this ugly word called gluconeogenesis that's going to kick you in your butt if you do that. Yeah. And so moderating down the protein, and that's probably the biggest key in making these ketones happen. Okay, so I've got the ketone meter here. I'm gonna go ahead and sacrifice okay. myself for science. I've got my blood sugar meter and my blood ketone meter. So, so let's... If, for people who are listening in their car, Jimmy's basically pulling out a needle now. He's, he's just pricked his finger and uh, he's gonna actually get a reading in real time of what his blood sugar and what his ketone levels are, which is All cool. right, so let's do ketones because that takes the most blood. You can see this on YouTube if, uh, if you're watching it live. All right. 
He just put a drop of blood on the little white stick, and he's getting it on the other stick and right. putting them in the meters. All right, so it's almost there, you guys. All right, so the ketone meter takes 10 seconds, and the blood sugar comes up pretty darn quick. Uh, I may need to do the blood sugar again. I don't think it's that. <laughs> it says 56, which yeah. would be kind of low. That'd be kind of low, 0.9 on the ketones, which is pretty good since I only ate a, a couple hours ago. So usually but, but you I had a, You had some some of the upgraded MCT oil today, right? I did. We, yeah, we hacked your BHB levels, Jeremy. There you go. Hackalucious. All right, let's try the blood sugar one more time. Because I, I would feel well at 56 if my ketones were higher. That That's kind of an interesting thing. I've noticed when I have really high beta-hydroxybutyrate levels, um, like four or five, mm-hmm. I can have blood sugar. Well, it's still good. Blood sugar 77. So if you're not familiar with blood sugar things, if you're under 87, that, that's kind of the highest you want it to be for anti-aging reasons. So Jimmy's got yep. a really nice low blood sugar. And you can tell he's fully engaged. He doesn't have brain fog. A lot of people at 77 start feeling like absolute crap because their metabolism is broken. So and Jimmy's you know a fat burner. And you know why? Because their starting point is usually higher. Yeah. My starting point this morning was in the mid 80s. So when you start at 110, 77 is a huge hypoglycemic drop. But if you start in the mid 80s, low to mid 80s, 77 is just almost statistically not even changed. Yeah. This is interesting because we were just talking about protein. And when I weighed 100 pounds, it was pretty easy to lose half of what I needed to lose. I lost 50 pounds in three months. I cut out wheat, kind of accidentally cut some carbs and up the protein, didn't up the fat because, I mean, this was 15 years ago. What did I know? Lots <laughs> of chicken breasts all over the place. Right. And, you know, then you get stuck and you get this kind of chronic inflammation and it's really not good for you. And this is why when people say they're going on a high protein diet, I'm like, I kind of feel like you're going on a high stupid diet. Because what's going to happen there is to burn the protein, to oxidize it in the liver, it takes energy. And the liver doesn't make enough energy from the protein to burn the protein efficiently. It needs either sugar, not fructose. It needs actually glucose, which is only 50% of white sugar, or it needs fat. Which is why if your chicken breast isn't floating in a tub of butter, it's not food. It's not good for you. And what I found, Dave, was it's not even so much adding in fat even the absolute amount of protein can be a problem. So I thought, okay, I'll have a chicken breast and I'll just slather it and carry gold butter and coconut oil and sour cream or whatever else I want to put on it to try to add fat. But what I found was that big bolus (laughs) of a chicken breast was way too much protein in one sitting that I still got the effects, even though I ramped up and maybe the percentages were that 80, you know, 12, whatever. Um, I, it, it just didn't work. What I found is I've had to get like the fattiest cuts of like beef oh, yeah. or, or bison or, or something like that and then add to, on top of that fatty piece of meat more fat and that's how you do it. it it's a tricky business. I mean, you, you think you eat healthy and I think this whole mentality we've had all of our lives in this culture of low fat, low fat, low fat being healthy we're trying to switch that around. That It's not really about low fat. It's about the right kinds of fats. Think of the bacon cheeseburger, toss the bun. You got all the yeah. cheese on there. You got the bacon, put some avocado on top of that, and then a fried egg fried in ghee or coconut oil on top of that. And Dude, now, you're making me hungry. Now you're talking about, like, that's, <laughs> that's 
rocket fuel for human beings because you've got That's the right. fat you need to metabolize the protein and you're not doing a triple burger when you do that. And I mean, I, I'm a pretty muscular guy. I mean, if you look on here, I work out about 15 minutes a week. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm 40 uh, and I, I carry a reasonable muscle mass. I, I'm no, you know, bodybuilder dude like that. There's guys with twice my You're muscle stud. mass. But, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't excessively consume protein, but what that means is when I do eat protein, I want the most absorbable, most high-quality amino acids because extra protein makes you inflamed. And I even do like one day a week, some weeks anyway, of uh, protein fasting where I eat less than 15 grams of protein. I just don't yeah. do it. I, I cover this in my, my book that's coming out on yep. Bulletproof Diet soon. Are you doing the, the once-a-week protein fast? I found I don't need to. Okay. I, I, yeah. I've found kind of the sweet spot for me of right around 80 to 100 grams of total protein every day, and that works. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Cool. I, uh, I, I agree with that. You know, N equals one guinea pig thing. So what yeah. you found was you cut your protein and you massively started losing weight. Because I remember, I, I think I first met you maybe at Paleo FX. You were carrying a pretty substantial spare tire. I was a little surprised. I'm like, you know, maybe yeah. this living La Vida low carb thing isn't exactly <laughs> working out for you, Jimmy. And, uh, uh, and I can tell you were tired. And you, yeah. you look different now, actually. Like your face is different. And uh, you've got your, you know, you've got your mojo back. And for you, it was cutting protein yeah. and upping the fat, which is great advice for the vast majority of people out there. Yeah, and I tried to, in my community, uh, with the low-carb community, everybody focus on, focuses on carbs, carbs, carbs. Okay, carbs is just one element of yeah. it. I mean, it's not the totality, and pe that's what gets people eating chicken breasts and, and green salad for lunch, and why aren't I losing weight, and why am I so hungry? You know, all of these things that we think are, when you just look at carbs, are pretty good, it's not the be all end all. So yeah, adding in these elements has helped so many people. In fact, I got to do a speaking tour through Australia last year where I got to kind of teach some of these concepts. And man, you should have seen their eyes when I started talking about 85% fat in my diet. <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting there holding Kerrygold butter and yeah, and I eat that every day. And <laughs> yeah, you know, what's funny. The, uh, the Aussies are seriously into this stuff. Like, yeah. like they're one of the most bulletproof countries out there. Uh, yeah. Like I, I I've been down there a food. couple times. Their food's good. You can get grass-fed meat all over the place. Avocados like, everywhere. Yeah, wow. Once you give them permission to eat butter and uh, and steak, they have no issues with it. it. It's like, you mean that's good for me? I'll have two. And <laughs> they just go for it. I, I admire that. I, I love going to Australia for this. Yeah, and they have uh, macadamia nuts and macadamia nut oil. I mean, they've got all the good stuff. They, I keep telling them they don't know how good they got it. <laughs> exactly. And kangaroo. Oh, wait, kangaroo's too lean. But if you put yeah, butter on your kangaroo, kangaroo yeah. I had a little bit. I didn't do the kangaroo. It was way too lean. I, I got to say, Jimmy, the best red meat I've ever had was yak. Really? I've that, never had yak. Man, yak yak steaks are are amazing. There's not many yaks out there. And yeah. I have no idea how what the, what the grass-fed status, given there's no grass up there, but whatever they eat lichen, I think. Probably wild. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty good, I got to say. They got good uh, butter anyway. Isn't that how you found Bulletproof uh, Coffee was it was the yak butter in yeah. the tea, right? Yeah, I noticed it had some bizarre mental effects and I wanted to replicate yeah. that. So that is kind of the genesis of Bulletproof Coffee. Yeah. But, but let's talk about another thing here, um, ketosis itself. So we talked about nutritional ketosis, how you're just eating, you're cutting the carbs so much, your body's like, I got nothing here. I better yeah. start burning fat and you push yourself in. Now, I'm 
happy to do that. And when you fast, even if you're not doing that kind of eating, if you fast for long enough, your body will go into you're ketosis. You're burning ketones, yep. Because your body's like, I better burn some of this fat. It's an energy store. In but, fact, earlier mm -hmm. this year, I did a full three-day fast just to see how high they'd go and just yeah. a total fast. I didn't have any like electrolyte. I wish I had because I started getting headaches. But <laughs> for three straight days, it was going to be a week, but three straight days, I just didn't eat anything in the first day. It was like 1.2 and then... 1.5 by day two, but then suddenly by day three, 5.4. I mean, it just, boom, it just went really high and blood sugar went down the 50. So, so when I saw that 50 one, I'm like, no, that's not right. The blood sugar meters actually, they get weak. Uh, they don't work um, yeah. below certain levels. Like the closer you get to the, to the, the edges, the worse the yeah. data is. So you're probably at a plus or minus 20% when you're at 50 anyway, yeah. just guessing. But I, I felt well, despite having that, that what many would consider way hypoglycemic number, because the ketones were kind of stepping in. In fact, I was listening, I was at an obesity conference with Jeff Folick uh, speaking earlier this year, and he talked about how they had some study subjects. I, I don't remember the study, but he, he said they put some study subjects on like a starvation diet for three days, then they shot them with insulin to force their blood sugar down so that they would wow. only run on the ketones. And they wanted to see what would happen. So their ketone levels would be six point something. And one guy's blood sugar got to 17. And he was totally awake, totally aware, you know, full, you know, within his full mental capacity, everything. It just shows you the power of the ketones. I'm blown away by ketones. And for a long time, I did nutritional ketosis. Uh, when I first was was you know stuck at my I have fifty pounds to lose I had that problem I could barely turn a stick pink when I peed on it because I was overdoing the protein and I wasn't getting enough yeah. fat so that's the first thing you don't want to do that it it does not help your health it raises your ammonia levels it puts a big burden on your liver to have too much protein and uh, what I do now is I use brain octane or upgraded MCT which are ways of directly going in you mentioned BHB and so. The way a ketone uh, gets uh, metabolized it is basically you get uh, coenzyme A to BHB to ATP, unless I have those first two backwards. Do I? I always forget coenzyme A or BHB. Which one comes first? You're over my head just a bit okay. right now. So. I got it. Anyway, the, the, the short answer, and thank you for reminding me that I do that. Here's the thing. There's three steps from, from getting one of these kinds of oils, the upgraded MCT or, or the, the other, the brain octane. And since it's three steps, sugar takes 26 steps to make yeah. ATP. So what's happening here is you can short circuit this, even in the presence of glucose in your body. If you take enough of the brain octane, what you end up experiencing is a state where you have glucose that the brain can burn and you have ketones that the brain can burn. So that combination of the presence of ketones and the presence of glucose at the same time can give you the benefits of ketosis, but you can still have some blood sugar present. Yeah. Have you, uh, I know you use upgraded MCT oil. Have you, uh, oh, you've got some, you got the brain octane oil right in front of you on video. How funny. Awesome. So when you use that stuff, do you actually up your carbs a little bit and notice that you still have ketones present? You know, I have not done that specifically only because this has been so successful and I struggled for so long. Yeah. I'm afraid to mess with it. <laughs> I, I hear so you, man. The, the, the fear of feeling that way. 
Right. Yeah. The, the secret to the success is continually doing what got you the success. And so, you know, I'm at my lowest weight since I've been an adult. So I'm really trying hard not to mess with that. You know, Good. people have commented, I, you know, I've never looked this lean. And, and so I, I'm, I'm really trying hard. So I'm going to leave those kind of experiments to people like Dave Asprey and, and trust your <laughs> wisdom and kind of follow your progress. But no, I, I have not purposely tried to have the ketones and the extra carbs and watching the blood sugar and all that. Maybe if I if I stay where I'm at now for like five years. Nice. Okay, maybe I'm there now and I can try those kind of things, but I, I think it would be quite dangerous for somebody like me anyway well, Jimmy, to, how, uh, to tinker with that. How old are you? I am 41. I turned 42 two days after Christmas. Okay, so I'm 40, right? So we're about yeah. the same age. Yeah, And uh, I tell you, man, you're going to fix your metabolism if you keep doing this. And you will be able, I couldn't for about five years, you'll be able to tolerate carbohydrates again. I'm not saying they're going to be good for you, but occasionally yeah. have a, a sweet potato in the evening and feel just fine the next day with no weight yeah. gain and no nothing else. It is coming for you. I know it is. Well, and I'm already seeing kind of sneak peeks of that. Yeah. Because occasionally I'll throw in something that I know has a few more carbs and, and I will gain weight. And it'll show up on the scale and I'll lose my ketones and my blood sugar will go up. But within three days, that weight's come back down. My blood sugar's normalized and my ketones have gone back up. So I know I'm kind of on the cusp of that happening yeah. even now, but I'm just so skittish about doing it too often. I, I, yeah. I think I try to keep it to like a once every couple of weeks kind of thing just so I don't blow what I've uh, accomplished here. It's uh, it, it's good to be cautious on that front. You're you're re-sculpting your metabolism. You're building metabolic resilience that you yep. lost a long time ago. And I know because I lost it, and I'm never amazed. had really. I, I can <laughs> I could literally go out there and eat five cups of white rice for yeah. dinner, and I gain some water weight the next morning because when right. you get that many carbs, your body uses water to store the carbs. But I'm not going to lose mental focus the next day. I'm going to be able to pay attention all day long. And I'm going to drink my bulletproof coffee in the morning, you can be sure. And if I do it every night for a week, I'm going to feel crappy, but so does everyone else. right? You know what? I, I, I want to confess something on Dave Asprey's show. I have not shared this anywhere on social media or anywhere. So you're getting an exclusive. Wow. Two weeks ago, I was having, a, what was it? I was sick with a, I had a fever, right, Christine? Yeah, I, I had a urinary tract infection recently and I had a fever and I was feeling horrible. And so I told Christine, I said, I want to go eat some crap. <laughs> so I went to the store and what did we get? Pizza rolls. Oh. What, what else did I get? Oh, mozzarella cheese sticks and ice cream. I added up the carbs, 250 grams of basically processed carbohydrates. Yeah, and some bad oils to mix, right? And bad oils to mix. And so I ate that. And, and surprisingly, didn't feel horrible after eating all that. I thought I would, but 250 grams of carbs. Now, keep in mind, I usually eat about 20, 20 to 25, mm -hmm. 250 in one shot. And of course, next morning, 0.1 on the ketone meter, 110 on the blood sugar meter, and I was up like three pounds. Wow. <laughs> but within three days, ketones yeah. back, blood sugar back down the 80s and weight was back down to where it was. For a former 400 pound guy, that's a miracle. And you're still on that Huge path, miracle. man. As you give yourself another couple of years of doing this, like yeah. your, your body's gonna get able to do it. So I'm stoked. 
We are running short on time, but there's a question I got to ask you that I ask everyone sure. on the show. Yeah. What are, not just from nutrition or anything else, but just from your entire life experience, the top three recommendations you have for people who want to perform better, be the most bulletproof, just kick ass at life. Top three. Stop listening to gurus. That's my top one. I am so sick of Dr. Raz this, Dr. Raz that. Stop listening to a man that is only in it for money. I mean, I'm sure in his heart of hearts, he feels like he's helping people and maybe he is on an ancillary basis every now and again, but even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Yeah. You know, stop listening to these gurus because you know your body best. And that leads me to my second one. By the way, Jimmy, I got to just interrupt. That includes you and me, by the way. Oh, so, absolutely. So, don't yeah, listen to what I have to say. Don't take all of this at face value. It's experiments. <laughs> all right. I just yes. had to add that because if, if we're in that category, think yep. for yourself. I love it. All right. Good point. Good point. Uh, so that leads me into my second one. Stop abdicating your responsibility as a patient. You are your own best health advocate. Stop giving that to your doctor. Too many people go to their doctor and they, they just, whatever the man in the white coat says, I'm gonna do. Question what he says. Look at him as more of a consultant in your health, not as the be all end all final arbiter in what to do about your health. So yeah. that, that's a biggie. We really hit that one hard in cholesterol clarity too, that you really need to be responsible. So a third one is find what works for you. If it's uh, you know a safe starch-based, bulletproof, paleo type of diet, by all means, please do that. If it's ketogenic, do that. But you've got to find what works for you. And the way you find out is you tinker, you self-experiment, you do all these things and tests on yourself, test your blood sugar, test your ketones, see how you're doing and monitor how you're doing and then adjust from there, make tweaks to make it right for you. Too many people say, well, uh, Atkins diet didn't work for me. Well, you know, did you read the book? Oh no, I just ate, you know, meat and eggs and cheese all day. Well, <laughs> you've got to actually follow a plan. So get on a plan, tinker around with the plan, follow those plans exactly and then make them work for you. You know, let's stop saying that, well, nothing works, so I'm just going to give up and eat crap. No, I mean, most of your audience, they've dialed into, you know, paleo or low carb or, you know, any of these things we've talked about. Um, but that's my three. Jimmy, thanks a ton. Real quick, give us your yes, URL. Sir. Give us the name of your podcast. Give us your Twitter handle. How can people find out more about you? We'll put all these in the show notes, but I just want you to say it for people who are listening from their cars. Sure. So if you're interested in learning more about my book, Cholesterol Clarity, I have a website just for that, cholesterolclarity.com. Um, I do so many things with Live in La Vida Low Carb. Uh, there's one of two ways, real easy to find it. LiveinLaVitaLowCarb.com is basically the kind of the catch-all for everything. I do three podcasts, five days a week. So you, you can catch that there. Or if you Google Jimmy Moore, I think the whole first page is all my stuff. And then you see my Twitter handle, um, at LiveinLowCarbMan. Jimmy, thanks a ton. It's been a pleasure, as always, to chat with you, especially to have you on the show. That's Thank it you. for today. Have an awesome day. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. 
The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.